Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Hello, break for reference. You want to be single by March? Consider it done. There's always been dating agencies. But the latest film from two New Zealand comedians sees the creation of an agency to break couples up in the Breaker Upperers. You had three places to sing, man. Heart, mind, guts. She learned them all. The Academy Award-winning director of tense dramas like Russell Crowe's State of Play and Forrest Whitaker's The Last King of Scotland is back with, and this isn't a misprint, a documentary about Whitney Houston. You can dance in the aisles and hold your loved ones close. So many concert films out at the moment and I'm always mesmerised by the hair, the suits, the ego and the shameless smile of Andre Rieu. That's this week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Hello, my name is Kyron Wheatley and we're here to sift through new releases before they've been released. With a PhD in film, you're joined by Vary McIntyre. Hello. Hi. Aside from a breaking up agency, what else needs an agency, you reckon? I reckon for someone to just wait in line for you. Like, oh. yeah, at Centrelink and Vic Rhodes and oh. places like that where you don't have the time, but they'll just sit in a chair for you. Yeah, I think people do it, but it tends to be like super rich people who want the latest iPhone 58 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, no, just... Just general chore things. More for Centrelink. Yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, and Michael Campbell is here from Village Cinemas. So I was thinking I want someone to go and do job interviews for me. So I'm just going to tell them a little bit about myself. They're going to present me better than I could. Yeah, great. Yeah. Leaving Village, are we? Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that yourself and keep listening. We've got your chance to win a Village Cinemas Gold Class Double Pass a little later on. I'm Jen and this is Mel. Hey, Mel. Hi. I want to break up with my missus. Shut him down! Put him on the ground! Now. Now. Ha ha. What? What? Our friends across the ditch are going through an absolute comedy, or should I say ditch? Anyway, they're going through an absolute comedy boom at the moment. Perhaps it started with Flight of the Concords, I don't know, but it's exploding. Even Kiwi director Taika Waititi has managed to turn Thor, the Marvel hit, into something of a comedy. And today, we're talking about the latest film to come out of this Kiwi laugh factory, The Breaker Upperers. Apparently, this was a huge hit at its premiere at South by Southwest. Was it any good? Yeah, this film was really funny. It's actually got 90% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, so you know it's good. Wow. <laughs> and you mentioned Taika Waititi, who's actually the executive producer of this film. But the real stars who wrote, directed and star in it are Madeline Sammy and Jackie Van Beek. Now, they play two best friends who became best friends because they realised they were dating the same two-timing man. Now they're jaded <sighs> by love. Ugh, I know. Now they're jaded by love and they started this breaking up company, I guess you could call. Nice, like the opposite um, of a dating agency. Yeah, so they will break up with your partner for a fee in any creative way possible. So they will do it by song, they'll <laughs> crash your wedding or fake your death. Amazing. So laughs ensue. <laughs> Obviously, breakups are always a riot, aren't they? I think everyone can agree that... Mine have been hilarious. <laughs> I think everyone can agree that New Zealand is having such a... a a run of great comedies and mm. more than any other country, just consistently great comedies as well. There is an Australian link because Celia Pacola, who's just won the Helpman Award, the Theatre Awards for Best Comedy, is in this as well. She's uh, a supporting character, so she's not one of the mains, but she's also great. And what's great is that in a genre that's kind of oversaturated with men, 
there's so much female representation here. So obviously the two leads that wrote and directed and Celia Bacola and pretty much any authority figure throughout the movie is also just a really funny woman. And it's, it's so good to see. Yeah. So one of the characters, Mel, obviously breaks their friendship's credo for the business being don't make any attachments and obviously falls for one of their clients, an 18-year-old rugby player. Obviously, there's some jokes in there about how legal he is and things, but (laughs) he is trying to break up with his girlfriend and she plays a major role in the rest of the movie as well. She just doesn't get like fobbed off and she's really talented. And she's got this like posse of of females in the back as well, and some yeah. She's a real yeah. highlight of the movie, and and, yeah. and another connection to New Zealand comedy. The young rugby player is actually I don't know whether you ever saw the movie Boy from a couple mm. years ago. It's Boy. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's him all grown up, which is so weird to see. <laughs> <laughs> all, all grown up to eighteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you see that Taika Waititi connection, and something I really liked, and something I was scared of going in is that it would be a Taika Waititi clone because he has a very specific kind of vibe and humor. And it's definitely New Zealand, but it's not Taika Waititi light. Right. And I think that's an important distinction to make. You guys actually chatted to the directors, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Madeline Sammy and Jackie Van Beek were right here at the Jam Factory where we record. So we had a quick chat to them. I have a question that I've always wondered about the making of a comedy film because this film is so funny and it's the one thing that everyone always mentions first is how funny it is. But having written it and then started it and then having to edit it, do you ever have a point where you have to doubt yourself and have to check that a joke still works or or is there anything that you do to make sure that it is still funny? Yeah, like in the in the development process, we did a lot of table reads. Like we'd write a draft, we'd have a table read, we'd get other writers in, you know, for ideas. And then once we'd shot the film um, and we were in post-production, we did a lot of test screenings. Like it, we'd just grab like five people every week to come and watch the cut. And then we had a big like 350 people in a screening. They filled out surveys for 20 minutes. So we're all always testing it, always seeing what people were enjoying and what people were finding confusing and things. And inevitably, like, you know, certain jokes would always hit. They'd always be funny. Certain other jokes needed more work and we'd go away and, like, trying to make them better. And so we sort of refined the script in that way. And was there ever a joke you thought would hit that didn't or a joke you didn't expect to hit really hit? A very talented comedian friend of ours, Guy Montgomery, uh, has one line in the movie. He comes in, he says, crayfish orgy, which I never expected to get <laughs> such a big laugh, but it does in most screenings and it did in Austin. And um, that was a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just his delivery and it's like something about the timing of how miserable um, and, you know, Anna, the character that Celia plays, um, something about the timing of her being so miserable and him coming in with the crayfish orgy really makes people laugh. And that was a surprise to me. It's a great surprising combo of yeah. lines here and reactions. Sheree don't want to be with you no more. Sheree don't want to be with you no more. Sheree don't want to be with you no more. I'm sorry, Jeff, it's over. I think the women really have a a distinct view on things. Madeline and Jackie, really their voices come out and it's really about their experiences and their strong female friendship that is the through line of this movie. I got this vibe of like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. that kind of absurdist, witty humour. Yeah, and Broad City. I can see that because the idea is you're rooting for them to do something that isn't that moral, but weirdly you're like, I kind of hope they achieve it. (laughs) They're all dysfunctional. They've got like pretty bad, crappy lives and then maybe not really nice to each other all the time but at the end of 
end of it all, they're all really good friends and, yeah, you're rooting for them. And The other thing I know about this film, which perhaps um, adds some of the depth, is that they've cast... I mean, I guess New Zealand comedy scene is, you know, pretty tight. You're such a small country. But mm. all the rest of the characters are, like, their mates. They're Kiwi comedy mates. So there's just, like, every single bit part is one of the funniest people in the country. I wonder whether it's to do with, it's quite a low budget film as well. So whether or not they can call in these favors through this, you know, they haven't been in a spectacular amount of things, but the things they have been in have all been pretty great with people like Taika Waititi and, and the Flight of the Concords guys. So they just have that connection. They can get them for a little cheaper. You don't have to spend as much money. So you still make the film you want to make for a low budget, but you have all this like amazing talent in it as well. Yeah, it's kind of like the Australian film industry where it is a bit niche and it's it's not very large, so everybody sort of knows each other. And I guess that's more compounded in New Zealand because it is a lot smaller. And the characters do reference a joke like that in the movie themselves and they're like, oh, do you think you'll ever see him again? Yeah, it's New Zealand. We know everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who should see this film? I think if you're a fan of some of the other New Zealand comedies we mentioned, like What We Do in the Shadow, Boy, or anything with Taika Waititi or Flight of the Concords, then this film is really, really going to do it for you. What it draws on a lot is millennial humour. So I think a lot of millennials are going to like this. It's that dark, witty, self-deprecating uh, humour in it. And if you like Broad City or Always Sunny and those sorts of shows, yeah, you're going to really like this one. It's really funny. Yeah, it's really good. What does she mean to you? She's the greatest female entertainer of the 20th century. So much soul and so much spirit. There was Lena Horne, there's Dionne Warwick. But if the mantle is to pass to somebody who's got an incredible range of talent, but guts and soul, it will be Whitney Houston, in my opinion. There are some music docos that really stick in your mind. I think Amy, about Amy Winehouse, is one of those that really got to the bottom of the world she lived in and how it led her down the path that it eventually did. And from the trailers of Whitney, the new documentary from director Kevin MacDonald, who's won an Oscar for Best Doco in the past, it seems like we might have a similar insight to the life of Whitney Houston. It's a heartbreaking movie, this one. It, it really got to me. And I say that as, you know, I'm a passing Whitney Houston fan. I didn't know a whole lot about her before seeing it. But I have such an appreciation of her now after seeing this amazing career that she made, this amazing ability that she had, and the way that he presents it is so pitch perfect. You know what? It's more about her death than it is her life. I think it relies on a background, at least knowledge, of Whitney Houston's music and a bit of her career. See, I didn't really have that, but I still yeah. appreciated all of it. I don't know, because I felt like it unfolded like a, a true crime episode or something. It's all building up to the fact of her death, and you know that's where the, the movie ends, obviously. That's what she's infamous for. The songs as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know when a lot of people get more famous or, or their, their legacy carries on because of how they die, because they're so famous and they've done so well and then they die so tragically and everybody's so shocked because they're like, but they had such a charmed life. They're so famous and they're so talented and how could somebody take their own life or, or die in such tragic circumstances when they had a good life? See, I, I learned so much about her through this movie. Uh, and what I think is great is, and especially because it's coming from uh, a guy that also does narrative film as well. And I think he understands the idea that conflict is, is a really good thing in a movie because there's kind of people's interviews kind of contradict one another a little bit. And you kind of have to work out yourself what you think is the truth. You know, someone will say, Oh no, she wasn't really like that. And someone's like, no, she was like that, you know? And I think that's such an interesting dynamic to, make you kind of make up your own mind a little bit as well. Yeah. Have you seen Amy? 
No, I have not. See what Amy does, and tell me if this is on the same track, where, because you speak, if you speak about, you know, a charmed life, it shows the flip side, shows what's underneath that, shows what goes yeah. into that, shows the pressures that people have on their life, the family dynamics around them, uh, the relationships to the business, and shows, yeah, this is the truth of it. This is what the life is really like and this is why it leads someone and how it can lead someone who you know it spends their whole life being open and opening up and in being an artist uh so is open to damage as well and i think it like exposes that flip side you can say anything you wanted to say to her what would you say i love you whitney everybody loved her she was a little girl wishing upon a star I was trying to find my way back home. This personal side of her, you don't get to see all the time. You can go on to Spotify and listen to all her music and you can get an understanding of that. But finding out what this life was that led to the music, I think this film does a pretty good job of. And there's two relationships in particular that they go into that I think are really interesting. The first is with her husband, uh, Bobby Brown, who, let me say, is a piece of work, and this film does not paint him in a good light, but that's a really interesting, like, codependent relationship. Piece of work feels like a real gentle way of describing it. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah. This is a PG show. But the other one that I think is even more interesting is it goes into the relationship with her and her best friend, Robin, and the, the idea that no one quite knew what this friendship was. Maybe they were lovers. Maybe they were just best friends. They were kept apart for a lot of her later life and that's it I didn't know about any of that and that to me was super interesting and you can kind of see how she kind of ended up this way she was ripped away from her best friend she was told no you need to marry this guy you need to have this kind of a life and I that's the bit I found really interesting yeah it uses a lot of interviews from her family and friends I think apparently a lot was cut as well because Kevin McDonald didn't think it was interesting enough. Yeah, something like seven hours I read. Mm, but there, yeah, that's what is interesting about anyway. it. Too long for a doco anyway. <laughs> it didn't feel long the way it was put together. So he did a good job at editing it down and getting all the information across. See, because this comes out, I think, two years. There was a documentary about two years ago called... Oh, last we, year, I think it was. Last year. Yeah. I remember I was working. I had to double check this before we watched it because I was like, yeah. it was already a Whitney Houston documentary. That one felt a bit more like a, she's died recently, let's cobble something together and, and kind of get it out. And that one felt more like, you know, this is when she was born, this is when she died, this is everything that happened in between. Whereas this one, I liked the idea that they went with all of her close relationships. They interview her mother a little bit. They interview Bobby Brown. They interview a, a bunch of people in her life and they all have kind of conflicting ideas about Whitney. And I, I like the idea that you kind of piece together mm. what you think. Who should see it? I mean, one, if you're a Whitney Houston fan, obviously, there might be some things in here you don't know. But even if you just if you like a good documentary, it's it's a really fascinatingly put together one. I think you'd have to like Whitney Houston's music or maybe want to know a bit about her because I think a lot of people, hopefully everybody, would know her music but not the person behind it. And it's quite interesting to to know what was happening in her life and what she was going through as she was making these really famous songs. And it gives a better depth to them. Awesome Cinemas this week, Equalizer 2, if you like a little Denzel Washington action. Oh yeah. And also Mamma Mia 2, plenty of sequels about at the moment. Yeah, here they go again. If you didn't hear last week's episode, we talked about them, and you can listen to that if you click the last episode in the show notes below. Join me for an enchanted evening of music and dance 
and enjoy the romantic atmosphere of the Vrijthof from the comfort of your local cinema. All right, I guess when you're playing stadiums that big, you need a smile that can reach row double Z of section 27. And Andre Rieu has mastered it. Yes, as we speak, there are buses being scheduled in nursing homes around the country to ship every single granny down to see the maestro himself performing songs about, wait for it, love. Honestly, though, if you're into classical music, this is an absolute winner, right? Oh, yeah. This is a whole world, this Andre Rieu thing, these mm. Maastricht concerts he does every year. It's like, a, it's like an ecosystem in itself. This is a itself. yearly thing. It's a, oh, every year. But this, right. this one, I think it's like the, it's an anniversary of some kind, which is Adore, the, the tribute to love that he's put yep. on. Amor. Amor, sorry, Adore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but every year he plays a concert in Maastricht and there's – Thousands upon th- tens of thousands of people yeah. just line the streets to watch him. It's it's. So I've seen the HD trailer for this because <laughs> uh, it's all in HD, uh, and you've got these massive swinging shots across the square where they're filming it, and people dancing up the aisles. So many people dancing, and like- him grinning for days. And on what stage. what I love is because this obviously skews a little older. And the, and, the, <laughs> and the showmanship of Andre Ryu obviously skews that way as well. Yeah. I, I, I've seen a few of them. I used to be a projectionist, so I used to have to be up there as they played because mm-hmm. they're a live thing. You need to make sure they're going okay. Yeah. And there'd be bits where he'd go, oh, my cellist from France. And everyone goes, ooh, it's ooh like, France. That's all I've it, heard of that. That's all it took. <laughs> that's funny because back when I lived in Adelaide, I worked as a roadie for a time and did a few concerts and we'd just do the pack um, set up and pack down. Did you do Andrea? And I did. I did. Really? Wow. It is huge. Let me tell you, this is a <laughs> yeah. spectacular show. They had ice rinks where what? professional skating ballerinas would perform. <laughs> they had fountains with literal like water. They would set up giant fountains. It was like five stories high. And let me tell you, there was no safety precautions where we had to walk up there. <laughs> <laughs> and get the set and bring it down pole by pole. So were you in the scary. were you in the aura of Andre Ryu? Did you ever meet no, him? Well, no, we're in the back. Although, Did you feel something <laughs> deep inside, just walking near. He went on stage for this concert in a horse-drawn carriage. The horses were like white. <laughs> yep, that's how I get around. And obviously, we're just standing backstage, dreading trying to pack this down afterwards, <laughs> and just like yep. glaring at him, like this is. So over the top. I kind of, I don't know, I resent Andre Rio for making such a huge show of classical music when this is not what it was originally meant to be. But also it's good because it is bringing in a lot of people to like and appreciate classical music when they otherwise might not. It seems Mm. to me kind of like, I guess, the evolution of it. As it has always been presented, it now seems a little crusty and old mm. but this is like a, a f- the people are dancing in the aisles at these things like they're it's very odd yeah, yeah i know it is all very odd isn't it i sort of want to see it just for the spectacle of that yeah well if you ever don't know who andre rieu is i can give you the best introduction in the world uh-huh. go onto youtube and type in andre rieu neighbors cameo and I won't tell you anymore, but it? it's the most it. bizarre thing I've ever seen. And it's Andre through and through. He's sort of, um, if you think of like the Wiggles are to three-year-olds, <laughs> uh, he sort of is for octogenarians, I guess. <laughs> kind of, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah That's yeah. so true. He's the, like the absolute Brad Pitt of, of, yeah. the, of that is. world. That it, charming smile. Do you reckon deep down he's quite sad? No. No? He looks so happy. Yeah. I just feel like maybe there's something behind those eyes. He's the clown that's crying on the inside. (laughs) 
Now, he's probably smiling because he was made fun of for really liking the violin. Um, yeah. And such a nerd in primary school, maybe, and now he's making millions. I think he's smiling because of how big his bank balance is. Oh, it oh, must yeah. be ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly. That smile is screaming, I've got a billion dollars <laughs> and you don't. Yeah, maybe I should have stuck with the violin longer. Yeah. So, who should see this movie? If you want to be grandchild of the year, take your nan, take her to gold class, get her a cheese platter, you're set for life. <laughs> if you've always wanted to go to the Netherlands and see a medieval village and a fireworks show with a violin performance. That is number one on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah, but from the comfortable seat in a cinema and a much cheaper ticket. Yeah. No airfares. There you go. Yeah. yeah that's true. It <laughs> no really brings the price down, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, is What sort of release is this in? Kind of like the ballet was last week. It's a limited release. It's only playing a couple of days. So make sure you do check your dates and make sure you, you get your tickets. Each week, we give away a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass. Canberra, do we have a winner? We do. Last week, we asked, apart from ABBA, what other musician or band would you want to see a musical based on their songs? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got Holly. She said, I would love to see a movie about Elton John's life. That actually would yeah. be very good. Wouldn't it be great? Uh, and how brave Called he must have Reginald been. Reginald Dwight. <laughs> which is his actual name for those playing along at home. Uh, and she said how brave he must have been to be openly gay and himself right from the start. I think that's such a great idea. Yeah. And Holly, I will send you a gold class double pass very soon. To win this week, we want your answer to the question, aside from dating agencies, breaking up agencies, what else needs an agency? Send your answer and contact details to win at thecinemacrew.com.au. Next week, everyone's favourite Scientologist Tom Cruise is back with Henry Cavill and Simon Pegg on our screens in the sixth Mission Impossible. And it's been a while since I've seen Glenn Close on the big screen. The last thing I true remember in his 101 Dalmatians. So I'm looking forward to The Wife. Until then, thanks, Mari. Thank you. Thanks, Gambo. Thank you. I'm Karen Wheatley, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.